0: Luke chapter 6, page 1599 if you're using the Pew Bible in front of you. Let us hear from God's word. It is His holy word. It is our authority, so let us give our attention to its reading. Luke 6, 1 through 11. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do. To Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. The Hebrew word for Sabbath means to quit what you're doing, stop, take a break, rest. Interesting then that in Israel it became the custom to not completely stop doing everything but to attend to worship. To go to the synagogue and to hear from God's word. The same situation is presented to us in the modern world. What do you do with a day off? If you may use the word, uh, the day off is considered by many to be sacred. And it is on that day that uh, you have to do all of those things that you have wanted to do all week. But you haven't had the time to do because you've been working. Normally that's been Sunday. Thankfully, in America, we kind of have the the double Sabbath experience of Saturday and Sunday, the the beautiful weekend. But it is true that we're presented with this challenge of what do you do on your day off? Do you go on a hike? Do you do things around the house and catch up on those kinds of chores? Do you read a book? Do you watch football? Do you do absolutely nothing? The obvious answer is not the right answer. You would think that, well, you just do exactly what you want to do at all points of that day. But the obvious answer is not the right answer because God has given us a day as the day in which we can rest from our normal work so that he can do his work in us. That is why we have prized the worship of God on the Lord's Day Sabbath. God's word tells us that the Sabbath was made for man. It was made for us. It was a gift from God for us, not man from the Sabbath. It's tied to the meaning of all things that God has embedded in creation and it points forward to something. It's not just there to to stay just as it was from Genesis 1 onwards. It points us forward to something and it points us forward to Jesus who says in this passage that he is Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath not so he can come to abolish the Sabbath, but to fulfill it. And how does he fulfill it? He does that in a couple different ways, but just like to highlight a couple of them this morning. He brings the idea of the Sabbath from despair and fear to joy filled freedom. From despair and fear to joy filled freedom. For Israel, the Sabbath was rooted in Sinai. We saw that as we read the Ten Commandments this morning, right? Observe the Sabbath day because God has created the world. It it came from Sinai. It was rooted in Sinai and Saturday. Christ fulfills the Sabbath by bringing us to an understanding that is rooted in resurrection and Sunday. So from Sinai and Saturday to resurrection and Sunday. From despair and fear to joy-filled freedom. God gives us this day, embedded in the created order, this idea of work and rest, so that we may rest, revere, and respond. Rest, revere, and respond. So a lot of things there, I'll highlight these kind of as we go, but we see first as we, um, as we look at this story, we see that there is a controversy about this snack on the Sabbath, this snack on the Sabbath, looks like my newborn daughter might need A snack right now as my wife leaves the the, the sanctuary. A snack on the Sabbath. This story picks up with Jesus continuing his ministry in Galilee. And Jesus, of course, knows the best of all Sabbath activities, other than going to the house of the Lord, is the leisurely stroll. So they're all walking. Jesus and all his disciples are on a Sabbath day's walk. But they get hungry. His disciples are hungry. So uh, it says here that they pick heads of grain in verse 1 and they rub them in their hands to eat the kernels. Now, I know uh, very little about what's going on here specifically. I, I don't know how this becomes a snack or how it tastes. But I can tell you, as someone who, who at least tries to dwell in both, both worlds of uh, the young generation and uh, the middle generation, I can tell you that in a world that prizes that which is authentic and that which is kind of, you know, farm to table. I can tell you that if you were to figure out how to make this snack yourself today, you could probably sell it to Whole Foods and they would charge people like 25 bucks for it. So use that idea for yourself. Think of a creative way to package it if you're a farmer or a hobby farmer. And uh, you and I can go in on it um, 50-50. 60-40. All right. But this verse is intended to be a surprising verse. Verse 1 is intended to surprise us. We read that they're walking, okay, it's a sabbath good enough but all of a sudden when they start to prepare food we're meant to say oh this is a problem are they going to get in trouble and some people approach this passage and they say the problem here is that the pharisees and the teachers of the law are being too strict with their interpretation of the law they have too strict sabbath regulations and so they're really just being sticklers and, uh, the, and that is the problem. So Jesus can just explain it or we can explain it away by saying this is the Pharisees up to their old business, increasing upon God's word and going farther than God's word intends. But really, if we put it to the test, we see that that is not so. When Israel was wandering in the wilderness, God gave them a double portion of manna on Friday just so that they wouldn't have to leave their tents on Saturday. The Sabbath was so important that God wanted them to be doing no food preparation even so that they did not have to leave their tents for it. Later on in Exodus, God reminds Israel that they are not to do any ordinary work. And ordinary work, of course, would involve food preparation. That's one of the most ordinary things that we do from day to day. My mom used to say uh, when I was a teenager that she felt like she was uh, an employee at the Svenson Delicatessen, she would say to me, do you do anything other than eat sandwiches? And I said, I didn't know I was intended for anything else. But Israelites, it was, it was the same way. Of course, ordinary work meant food preparation. And God told them, you're not to do any ordinary work. They were not allowed to start fires. They were not allowed to pick up sticks on the Sabbath. And the punishment for these things was death. The punishment for breaking the Sabbath in Old Testament Israel was death. So if the Pharisees are being arbitrarily harsh, if that's the way that we understand this passage, it seems as if God would be arbitrarily harsh. So it seems as though the Pharisees are justified and they're asking Jesus and his disciples, why do you do what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Because it seems like what they're doing does not accord with Sabbath law. Right from the Old Testament, not what the Pharisees had increased upon, but right from the Old Testament. We'll remind ourselves this morning of the meaning of the Sabbath. What did it mean? Where did it come from? Why was it so important? Exodus 31 verse 13 says this, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Holy. Take note of that last phrase, I am the Lord who makes you holy. Theologically, we say that that is God sanctifying Israel. He makes them holy. How did he do that in the Old Testament? He made them holy, not ultimately according to salvation, but under the Mosaic covenant as the nation of Israel, they were sanctified according to their obedience to the law. This does not mean that salvation was or ever has been by works. Galatians 3 tells us that even though there is a works principle in the covenant with Moses, that does not nullify the grace of God that is rooted in the promises which were made to Abraham. In other words, Abraham and Moses represent two covenants which were simultaneously in effect at that time. And there's a sense in which God evaluates Israel according to their obedience to the law. This is why they are uh, put into exile. This is why God says time and time again that you have broken my laws. You have broken the covenant with Moses. How does this then relate to the Sabbath? Exodus 20, Israel is reminded that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And that's why they're to keep Sabbath. They're to mirror the activity of God. They're to reflect him. Just as God did this, so now you are to do this. And what was it that God had achieved in Genesis 1, in the creation story? He had achieved perfection. He had achieved righteousness. God looks at all things and says that it is very good. He rests from all of his works because creation is seen to be good. This is a pattern of righteousness. It's a pattern of fulfilling all things in perfection and holiness and then resting from the work because you are perfectly righteous. Israel's life under the Mosaic Covenant was to, be, uh, was to revolve around the Sabbath in this sense. They were to set out at the beginning of each week Sunday, what we know as Sunday, to set out at the beginning of each week, aiming to reflect the righteousness and the holiness of God, obeying the Ten Commandments, live the week in accordance with that law, and then rest from your work, just as God had in creation. They were to work for their holiness, and each Sabbath they were to be judged by the holiness of God. This is why the Sabbath had such strict regulations because to enter into the Sabbath rest was to enter into a communion with the holiness of God and you didn't want to mess that up at all. Because to mess that up would mean serious uh, breaking of God's law. So this snack that the disciples make can't be explained away by saying, "Oh, the Pharisees are just they're just being strict with their interpretation." Actually, there's a sense in which they are Correct, but we see that there is an exception that Jesus cites an exception, so to keep with the alliteration, uh, exception is a much better word than I have, but in order to keep the, the alliteration, I have a loophole in the law, a loophole in the law, Sabbath snack, loophole in the law. exceptions probably uh, a better word. There were certain exceptions for the Sabbath in Israel, if there were life threatening emergencies. Certain regulations and rules could be broken so that life could be saved. But the the exception that Jesus cites in our story has to do with David. It has to do with David. So imagine with me that you are uh, riding down Interstate ninety four, coming back from the city, and as you're driving, you know, of course, that's an expressway where there aren't many semi trucks, and so traffic doesn't really get slowed down as much, and so people tend to drive. Uh, kind of crazy down I-94. Imagine that you're driving and you see a car zoom past you going 95 miles per hour or more. You feel that this car is going at such a speed that uh, the driver ought to be reported. So you call up local law enforcement and they ask you for a description of the vehicle. And you say, well, it's uh, Chicago Police Department vehicle number 571 and uh, the lights are flashing, the sirens are blaring, and the car is weaving back and forth to avoid all kinds of other cars, etc. If you only have part of this story, part of the information, it might seem like it's a worthy thing to report. But once you find out all of the details, this is actually a police car that's uh, driving down the road trying to get somewhere, it changes the perspective completely. You see, this law enforcement officer is on a mission trying to accomplish something special that will help someone else. And that is why he or she is driving at such speeds. There is an exemption because of their mission. In a sense, that is what is going on here. Jesus says that the way he relates to the laws of the Sabbath is different because of his mission, because of who he is, his person and his offices as prophet, priest, and king. Look with me at the the instance which he cites. He says, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat. What's important to understand is that this story about David when he he went in and ate this uh, consecrated bread of the presence, this was not on the Sabbath. So Jesus is not citing a story that says, David was hungry on the Sabbath and he got food, and now I and my disciples are hungry on the Sabbath, and so we are getting food. That's not the connection at all. The connection is that the bread which David eats is holy, and the time in which Jesus does this preparation of food, or his disciples do this preparation of the food, is holy. The connection is between holy food and holy time. And the fact that anyone who is undefiled or unclean defiles that which is holy in that sense, eating the bread or breaking God's law on the Sabbath. But David was able to eat this bread because he was the holy man of God sent on mission to accomplish something for God's people. In First Samuel 21, he has been anointed as the king, but he has not yet taken his throne. The same is true for Jesus. He is the anointed son of God. He is on a mission to accomplish something. And because of that, he has a holiness, a cleanness that is different than everyone else. Therefore, since he is on mission, there is an exception to certain kinds of Sabbath laws. He has been empowered by God to do something. He is on a mission, a holy mission From God, therefore He is holy. Therefore, He cannot profane the Sabbath in the way that a sinful person would do. This is why Jesus says He is Lord of the Sabbath. Lord of the Sabbath means many things, but at least two. It means that Jesus has a right to regulate and a right to reign. A right to regulate and a right to reign. He has a right to regulate the Sabbath. He has come along and he is even greater than the Sabbath. He is that thing which the Sabbath day points to. He has a right to regulate. He also has a right to reign. Remember in the creation story that God took a seat on his throne in a sense on the seventh day because he created the world in perfect righteousness. And the Sabbath was about the coronation of God. Really the way that our worship still is about recognizing that God is on his throne. So the Sabbath psalms oftentimes talked about the idea of enthronement. Listen to Psalm 93. It says this, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The Sabbath was about recognizing God on his throne. In the Old Testament, God often referred to the Sabbath as my Sabbaths. We saw that that was true in Exodus 31. It was so important to the Lord that he called it mine. It is my Sabbath. And here Jesus says that he is Lord of the Sabbath, which would have been stunning to anyone in his presence. As it is with God, as it is with David, so it is with Jesus. He is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he has a right to reign. There is a throne that has been given to him, and he is on his way to that throne. He is on a mission from God. And this is how the Sabbath comes to have a new and a beautiful meaning, an enriched meaning with Jesus. He does not come to abolish it. He comes to fulfill it. He takes us from fear and despair to joy-filled freedom. And he does that with the idea of jubilee. So the last and final point is the jubilee of Jesus. The jubilee of Jesus. Jesus said earlier in Luke that he has come to bring the favorable year of the Lord. And that favorable year of the Lord we saw is all about the year of jubilee, which is rooted in Leviticus 25. And the idea is that Sabbaths build on each other and point to something greater. And this is the idea of the Sabbath. It is about bringing all of creation into the state which God intended for it. And no one can do that but Jesus Christ. No one can, can bring things to fulfillment other than Jesus Christ. He has come to bring new life. And that is what he does in the second half of our passage this morning. This second story that is also on a Sabbath, that he heals a man with a shriveled hand. And we see that the difference between the first story and the second story is in the first story, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law actually have a ground to stand on relative to the law. But in the second story, there's nothing in the Old Testament that says you cannot heal, that you cannot perform miraculous healings on the Sabbath because there's no provision in the law for that because it's not something that normal people are able to do. And thus Jesus corners them. He challenges them and says, I ask you, what is lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? You see, he's only allowing for them to recognize that it's obviously better to do good on Sabbath than to do evil. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are stuck. They're stuck on Sinai and Saturday. Jesus has come not to destroy life, But to save it, he has come to bring the fulfillment of Sabbath by jubilee. And this is how he does it. Of course, remember that in the Old Testament, it was setting out and seeing the Sabbath at the end of the week. Going and trying to be obedient to the law. Obeying all of God's commandments. And then resting from all of your work on the seventh day. But in Christ... Because of the resurrection of Christ, which happens on the first day of the week, after the Sabbath. Because of the obedience and the righteousness of Christ, which he does for us. He is on a mission to ascend to his throne. And because of all of these things, there is this miraculous shift, this development, this fulfillment with the idea of the Lord's Day that Jesus Christ was faithful and righteous for us, just as God was in the creation week. He perfectly reflects the righteousness that none of us ever could. He is the Holy One who enters into the perfect rest of salvation. You see, Mount Sinai means the presence of sin. That's why we read the Ten Commandments at the beginning of the service, service to remind ourselves that we need God's forgiveness. Sinai is about the presence of sin. Jesus is about the forgiveness of sin because he was faithful to all of the things that God commanded us to be at Mount Sinai. On the Lord's Day, we worship as the new week dawns. This is what's so beautiful about the gospel. We rest first to be assured that Christ is our righteousness and then we can go out into the world to freely and joyfully reflect the holiness and the righteousness of God by faith knowing that Christ has done it all for us. This day Jesus did not come to abolish the Sabbath principle of resting from all of our works, but he fulfills it in the sense that God assures us he is our righteousness first. This day is about resting in his finished work by faith. Thus, we rest, we revere, and we respond. First, we rest in the gospel. We rest in the gospel. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. If we are going to have health in our souls, if we are going to be refreshed in the God of the universe, it will be because of the gospel. It is the power of God. It refreshes us to be assured and to be reminded that God has forgiven you in Christ, that God has made you new in his Son. Rest in the gospel. Thus we do not... Stop doing everything. On the Lord's Day, we do not become slothful and do absolutely nothing. We attend to the means of grace. We attend to the preaching of His Word because when we rest, we must rest in the gospel. It takes effort to come and to worship God, it takes discipline, but we do it because God has said, rest from your normal work, come and worship me, join with your fellow brothers and sisters. To worship me that I may work in you as you pause from your work. Not only rest, we revere. We revere the living, triune God who saves us. It's about wonder. It's about adoration. It's about being caught up in awe of who this God is and getting a bigger glimpse of who he is week by week, understanding more and more that this is the God who has saved you. A living triune God who has created everything that you see and everything that you don't see, who is matchless in his glory and yet has looked down and stooped down to lift you up out of the pit, to set your feet upon a rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gives us a place to stand in this world. We live in a world that says, it is forbidden to forbid, but true freedom is found in obedience to Jesus Christ. Thus, as we revere God, we can respond. We can respond by acclaiming. We can respond by declaring his glory among the nations. We can respond in thankfulness. So we rest in the gospel by attending to God's word. We revere the living God as we adore him. And we respond to declare his glory by acclamation. That is what the Christian life is all about. That's the beginning of the Christian life. That Jesus Christ has given us rest from the works of our hands because he is our righteousness. Because he is our salvation. Fear and despair is what happens when the Sabbath is put in front of you at the end of the week. Joy-filled freedom is what it means to worship the risen Christ the exalted and reigning Savior of the world at the beginning of the week, knowing that because of him we are made new, knowing that because of him we are forgiven, knowing that, knowing that because of him and by the power of his Spirit we are called to joyfully embrace the call which God has placed upon our lives, to be obedient out of thankfulness and out of gratitude, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, to be the ones who live in such a way that we, we carry a fragrance of the grace of God throughout all of the earth. That is what this day is for. Not to do all of the things which our flesh would call us to. There are a lot of things that we can do on the Lord's day. A lot of joining together with family and friends. A lot of enjoying God's creation. It is a blessing to have the pause from uh, the works of our hands But God has given us this day to remind us of the gospel. God has given us this day to build us up, to care for our souls, to assure us that this is who we are, ultimately, that he abides with us in life and in death, through the trials, through the good times, and the bad. This is what Christ does for us, brings us from fear and despair to joy and freedom because of what he has done, because he is Lord He is the risen and exalted Savior of all. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for giving us this day which we need. We ask that you would remind us now of what you have done for us, build us up, make us as those who are zealous to live in obedience to you out of thankfulness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together all the verses of number 393. Come, let us join with one accord. 393, let's stand together and sing all the verses. a great day in Christ, receive the benediction of our God. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.